This is Everyday Wealth with award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and personal finance expert Gene Chatsky. So, David, as you were saying, the minute you start thinking about stewardship, it's not just all that I can get out of it. It becomes generations long past when you're dead, you're handing something forward. How do you get from inheritance to stewardship? The reality is so much of estate planning is about how and what. How do we do estate planning? What do we need to do? But rarely do we ever ask the why and the who. What is the why of my wealth and who do I want to impact? And when we're about possessions and property, it becomes very easy to get granular and strategic. But really, we need to be more about purpose and people and then let that drive the planning that we do. And so sometimes I think we shortchange the why when we focus on the how. We also shortchange the why when we focus on what things cost, when we focus on value being equivalent to cost. How should we be thinking about the value of things? One of the things I call the paradox of wealth. Most, especially wealth creators who create wealth, they do it through what? Hard work, risk, stress, sleepless nights, worry, right? As a result, they highly value the wealth that they have. What does wealth help us to avoid? Hard work, risk, stress, <laughs> sleepless nights, right? And so unfortunately, while we sometimes see the pain of cost, we don't realize the value that it brings. And so that's why I think the average American inheritance is spent in 18 months. You know, if you look at it, what people build and grow over their lifetime is in America on average consume within 18 months. And it's because the wealth that we create over our lifetime, we so value it because it costs us so much. I can transfer the financial resources as an estate planner. I can't transfer the cost. And so sometimes what we end up doing is undermining the very value that we transfer. Part of what we need to all recognize is that cost and that pain and that work that we put in actually creates the value that we see in what we have today. And so how do we actually harness that while effectively transferring wealth? I think that's ultimately the secret of those fifth generations. Are you seeing a shift in how people think about that why when they start thinking about purpose? I don't know that years ago, people were having this conversation that it was always about just, you know, wealth, 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 grow your wealth versus, well, what is the reason behind it? What's the purpose? And harnessing that purpose can help future generations actually begin to understand why you did all that you did. Are you seeing a big shift? Yeah, I think you're exactly spot on. I mean, the reality is, when I started practicing, I worked primarily with that greatest silent generation they saw wealth and inheritance as an obligation. You know, they tried to live below their means. They tried to maximize how much they had so that they could transfer that to the next generation. And inheritance was seen as an obligation. Beginning with the baby boomers, though, they started to look at wealth transfer differently. One, they saw their obligation more in terms of raising and deploying children, providing them with opportunities for education or a start in life. But they, one, didn't see an obligation to minimize their lifestyle to try to transfer more. But two, they also started to see the negative effects of that inherited wealth, that unearned wealth. And they started to have concerns 
that with a little bit, my kids can do anything. With a lot, they can do nothing. And I'm not sure that I want my kids to do nothing. And so for a lot of my clients, it's not that they're uninformed about the need to do estate planning. They're uninspired and they're actually concerned about those negative effects. David, you were quoting Warren Buffett in a roundabout way, Mm -hmm. right? I want my kids to have enough money so that they can do anything, but not so much that they can do nothing. He was in the news recently because his estate plan is kind of up in the air a little bit. He has pledged to give away 99% of his wealth. At least that's what he's said. Most of it was, I guess, intended to go to the Gates Foundation. And now that that organization is in a little bit of disarray because of the divorce of Bill and Melinda Gates, it's interesting. He's saying, I'm going to give away 99% of my wealth. And yet, statistically, we know 75% of high net worth folks say, I want to leave an inheritance. I just know my kids are not ready for it. So where's the in-between? And if we want our children, should they get this money to be good stewards of it, what do we have to do to prep them? I tell clients, we tend to think of the amount of wealth that's transferred and the benefit as a direct correlation, right? So if transferring some wealth is good, more is better. My clients invariably feel like it's more of an inverted U-curve, right? You get to a point of diminishing and even negative return on wealth transfer. Again, you leave a child 500000 or a million, they can do anything in life. At $5 million or $10 million, they can be sidelined. And often, you know, it facilitates more destructive behavior. So for a lot of our clients, what we focus on, instead of just wealth transfer, is opportunity transfer. What's that mean? So it's focusing on things like education, entrepreneurism, home ownership, charitable engagement, things that actually require a cost on the part of the child so that they can bring value. So instead of buying a child a house, helping match a down payment for a house, uh, Mm -hmm. instead of buying a kid a business, having them work in that industry for two years. But when we can focus on opportunity transfer, We let the kids go through their own cost analysis, not only to bring value, but to bring perspective to it. Rethinking that is such a good idea because when I look back and think, you know, what made me successful, a lot of it was I was mucking stalls at 13 because my parents would not pay for riding lessons. If I wanted any clothes, I would have to pay for them myself. We weren't poor. We were pretty solidly middle class. But there were things that I wanted that my parents were like, that is beyond the scope of what we owe you. We owe you uh, public education. We owe you food and basic clothing, not Jordache jeans. I grew up in the uh, 80s. And so I do think there is this part of being a striver is when there are things that you want and there's no way to get them. And I do worry kids who are very comfortable Mm -hmm. don't have, you know, they're kind of like my parents have an awesome house and I can drive their car whenever I want. And I think it kills a lot of ambition. And I think it's the same problem we were talking about family business and how they fail after subsequent generations. I've seen, and this is just anecdotal evidence, but I've seen situations where parents said, you want to come into our business, go work in this industry for a couple of years. Go get some experience not with us first. Learn it on somebody else's dime. Figure out what your meager skills at this point are actually worth. 
and learn something before we'll take you on. And those businesses, again, my, you know, random sample of half a dozen have done pretty well. So years ago, we had a situation where we had a client that had a family business and uh, heir apparent in the family. And the father sold the business to the child at full fair market value. And his concept was, I want you to want this because you want it, not because you're buying it at a discount. I mean, how many of us have shirts that we bought on sale that sit in our closet? We bought it because it's cheap, not because we like it. And so he made payments for several years. Dad moved away. And then uh, one day he called the dad up and he said, hey, hey, I want you to come back and take you to dinner. And so he took dad to dinner and they were catching up. And then the son, with tears in his eyes, presented him a check for the remaining amount that was owed. And he said, thank you. He said, thank you, not just for the opportunity, but for believing in me. And so because he paid full value, he had full Uh, appreciation of what it cost and so it was a neat powerful story of belief and as opposed to what we want to do which is save our kids the pain everyday wealth with soledad o'brien and gene chatsky is sponsored by edelman financial engines to learn more visit our website everydaywealth.com